Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and I don't love YA, in case you haven't figured that out. If you're a new listener, I'm the one that doesn't love YA. She's lying. (laughs) (laughs) How many episodes into this and you don't love YA yet? I'm sorry. (laughs) She has like two books she has admitted she likes. There are a couple that I've liked. Well, what's everyone reading right now? I am reading another dark one. Big surprise. I know I said I was going to stop that. but uh. (laughs) (laughs) No, you didn't say you were going to stop it. I'm pretty sure in the last episode you specifically said you were never going to stop reading the dark books. But in my defense, I've had this book on hold for a really long time and it came in. So (laughs) I needed to listen to it before it disappeared. Yeah, Yeah, I understand that problem. But it's A Lesson in Vengeance by Victoria Lee. Ooh, I have that at home. Is that good? I like it. I'm only about halfway through. Um, But it's a little long, but I did want to read the publisher's description for this one. Felicity Morrow is back at the Dalloway School, perched in the Catskill Mountains. The centuries-old, ivy-covered campus was home until the tragic death of her girlfriend. Now, after a year away, she's returned to finish high school. She even has her old room in Godwin House, the exclusive dormitory rumored to be haunted by the spirits of five Dalloway students, girls, Some say we're witches. The Dalloway Five all died mysteriously, one after another, right on Godwin grounds. Witchcraft is woven into Dalloway's past. The school doesn't talk about it, but the students do. In secret rooms and shadowy corners, girls convene. And before her girlfriend died, Felicity was drawn to the dark. She's determined to leave that behind now, but it's hard when Dalloway's occult history is everywhere. And when the new girl won't let her forget. It's Ellis Haley's first year at Dalloway, and she has already amassed a loyal following. A prodigy novelist at 17, Ellis is a so-called method writer. She's eccentric and brilliant, and Felicity can't shake the pull she feels to her. So when Ellis asks Felicity to help her research the Dalloway Five for her second book, Felicity can't say no. Given her history with the arcane, Felicity is the perfect resource. And when history begins to repeat itself, Felicity will have to face the darkness in Dalloway and herself was long right i don't i don't know if it's long i i got my eyes got stuck because like i both i both want to read this book i own this book i want to read it but also i recognize that this is eye-rollingly ridiculous sounding (laughs) but like i said i'm about halfway through this one i like it so far i think i know where this is headed ellis is a method writer and all of the Dalloway Five were killed, so I'm guessing murders or mysterious deaths are coming soon. Oh, is that what method writer means? Yeah, she has to actually, like, research and, like... Do the thing? Do the things, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're currently plotting fake murders. Sure. Like, which are, right. which are <laughs> going to come true, and she's going to blame Felicity for them. That is my guess. But mm. I'm not there yet, so I can't really spoil it. That's just my prediction. <laughs> She's like, maybe that's not what happens. Maybe, maybe they go on a picnic and everything's fine. Yeah. And then a bear comes out, Ooh. kills them all. That would be a surprise. <laughs> that would be a twist. Well, the scene I'm in now, they are in the middle of the woods. See? So I'll let you oh, know okay. where the bears are. <laughs> yes. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> what are you reading, Sarah? <laughs> well, 
I'm reading a post-apocalyptic thriller. You know how I love that kind of theme. This one's called The Buried by Melissa Gray. And it takes place about 10 years after a disaster where everybody had to go underground because suddenly sunlight is extremely toxic. So we don't know exactly what or why. The ozone here went away. Yeah, maybe these things have happened. I haven't gotten far enough to find out what is happening really. But there are three families living down there and um, three teens, Sasha and Gabe and Yuna. And they are starting to question the rules and the particularly harsh dictator-like character of Dr. Moran, who she's the one that sort of gives them all their rules and teaches them in their little schoolroom and everything underground. And I'm not very far into it, but she's already a really detestable villain. Oh. What about you, Patty? So, um, speaking of books that came in uh, on hold for me, I have got The Ballad of Never After by Stephanie Garber. It is the second book in the Once Upon a Broken Heart trilogy, and I'm loving it so far. Um, we've talked about Once Upon a Broken Heart, and we might talk about this one um, when we talk about sequels. I might make you all read this one, because I think I get to pick that, but, but maybe not. Great. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> has to be something I know you sequel to something that you've all read. But anyway, it picks up right where the last one left off with um, Jax having betrayed Eveline. And um, Apollo is in his like coma and everybody thinks that she's killed him and, and she can open the gates. And, and it just, just carries on right on from there. And it is just as absolutely wonderful and lovely as Once Upon a Broken Heart. Cool. I do want to read that one, so... All right, so what are we talking about this time? Holidays. Yep. So in the last episode, instead of assigning one book, we all read titles under the same theme, Seasons Readings. All right, well, I'll start. I have two books I'm going to talk about. The first one is called The Christmas Clash by Suzanne Park. And this is by the same author that wrote um, Sunny Song Will Never Be Famous, which is another book we've discussed on this podcast. And Sarah admitted she liked. And I did did like that one. This one is set in a mall in Tennessee, and the two protagonists work in Christmas-related businesses. So Chloe takes pictures of kids with the mall Santa, and Peter works at a VR booth that offers Christmas-themed VR experiences. Both of them have parents who own restaurants in the mall, and the parents are unfriendly toward each other. They're competitors, and they forbid their children from talking to each other, hanging around each other. So you know they're going to hang around each other and start to fall in love, of course. And then they find out that the mall is under threat of, uh, the, their parents are under threat of eviction because the mall is set to be demolished. So they have to work together to try to figure out how they can save them all. And, of course, fall in love at the same time. So this one is a nice slow burn romance. It's got a a lot of minority representation because our protagonist, Chloe, is Korean-American and Peter is Chinese-American. And we get to talk, you know, hear from each of them as they tell their stories. 
And I like how they tackle some issues briefly um, about racism and also what it's like to be the second child in a family where the first child is sort of a golden child and how you cope with that. But I do feel like if you're really into like Christmassy Christmas, the only real Christmassy elements are the places where these kids work. There's not a whole lot of like Christmas type descriptions or conversation. My other book is very similar, especially we were talking about the covers look even similar, but this one is called The Holiday Switch, which is by Tiff Marcello. And this one's set in rural upstate New York, and there's a hotel in this that was the setting of a popular um, Christmas novel and um, movie, rom-com movie. And the protagonist in this one, Lila, works at the gift shop and she's trying to uh, raise up enough money to go to her, her dream college, Syracuse, where she wants to major in biology so she can be a doctor because she feels like being a doctor would help her help her family out and um, her siblings and her parents. So she also, though, on the side has a secret blog. I know in this uh, podcast before you've read books, Catherine, I think especially with secret podcasts. This one we have a secret blog that Lila writes called Tinsel and Tropes, where she reviews holiday books. <laughs> <laughs> so she writes that on the side. Her parents don't know about it. Only, only her best friend knows about it. And then into her life to turn everything upside down comes her boss's nephew, who also wants to get a job at this gift shop. And that messes up Lila's plans because she was planning to take all those extra hours to earn as much money as she could for college. But now... Stinky Ted. nepotism ruins the yeah. <laughs> Teddy is in the way, and of course she and Teddy start to have a little romance. This one, like the other one, features Asian American protagonists because uh, both Teddy and Lila are Filipino American, and it also um, is a slow burn romance, and it also has the Christmas element going on. More Christmas in this one than in the Christmas Clash, actually, because they do things like drink hot cocoa and go ice skating and things like that. Those kind of typically Christmas things. And I like this one um, because of its love of reading is emphasized. Oh, that's funny because one of mine is all about love of reading. And yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about that one? So this is called Recommended for You. It's by Laura Silverman. And I like this one because it is about a Jewish girl named Shoshana Greenberg and she works at a bookstore called Once Upon, and it's her favorite local bookstore, and she loves her job, and she's been there for like a year. And everything else in her life is sort of falling apart. Her mothers are fighting a lot, and her car is broken down, and just things aren't going well. So, um, of course, all this happens, and they hire a new boy. And his name is Jake, and he's very cute. And he also doesn't read. <laughs> what? And Shoshana feels that this is horrible. And uh, she and they announce at, at work that they're going to have a competition. That whoever sells the most books during the Christmas rush gets a bonus. And she needs the bonus to fix her car, which is broken. She needs $950 to fix her car. And Jake, even though he doesn't read... And is uh, for reasons I'm not quite under sure why 
is just a jerk to her at first. Like he just just doesn't, I'm like, okay, sure, be a jerk. But he's also very good at selling books and she sees him as a threat. But she also thinks he's very cute and she's very conflicted about this. So this is of course the story of Shoshana and Jake. I liked it, it's cute. It takes place over a week. And I'm like, I do not believe. <laughs> they go, she goes from hating him to like, he's the best guy in the whole wide world in a week. And um, I wish it had taken a little bit longer. Like they could have, but you know, it's fine. It's a little romance. It's, so it is what it is. All three of these are enemies to lovers. Yes. Trope. And, and you have one too that's enemies to lovers, <laughs> Catherine? I do. Well, I mean, when you're talking about holiday romance books, almost all of them are enemies to lovers, right? If for teens, because you can't do your your you've gone off to to the big wide city and you're a career girl and you come back home to your small town and meet your ex boyfriend from high school. I was gonna say the majority of the like holiday Christmas movies on like Netflix or whatever, a lot of those are enemies to lovers as well. It's true. But I was saying I like this one. There is some Christmas, but because it is Christmas, um, but it is uh, also from a Jewish perspective. So it, I like that too. And she's got a lot of like, she'll say happy holidays. And of course, somebody is like, you mean Merry Christmas? She's like, mm-hmm, sure. And um, it is set in a town, a fictional town, I believe, uh, 90 miles south of Atlanta. Mm. And my other book was also set in Atlanta. So I was I was very... Georgia focused in my books this time. So my other book set in Atlanta is Whiteout. And this is by, I have to get my list of people. Donnell Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. I love this book. <laughs> I liked Recommended for You. I loved Whiteout. Um, it's absolutely delightful. The six of them wrote this book together. They wrote uh, another one similar to this called Blackout that came out in the summer. And this one is set in Atlanta on a day that Atlanta gets six inches of snow. We all live here. We know what that's like. Catastrophe. Yes. <laughs> Devastating. It was called Snowpocalypse the last time it happened. Yes. <laughs> they actually reference that. This is set um, like... They don't give a year, but it's clearly they reference the pandemic having happened, and so it's like clearly now. And they reference snow snowpocalypse twenty fourteen. They're like, yeah, we were stuck at school all night, and we were in third grade. <laughs> I was like, oh, yep. And um, I love that the writers are are from here, so all of the Atlanta stuff is is correct and right. <laughs> it's not just like someone saw Atlanta on a on a map. It's you know. Um, and so they have, it's, uh, the story mainly focuses, the main story is about Stevie and Sola and they are a couple and Stevie, when the book starts has really messed up. You don't know what they've done, but it's a catastrophe and and they're grounded, so they've had their phone taken away from them. And so when they get their phone back, Sola has messaged them and messaged them and messaged them. It's been three days since whatever catastrophe this is. And Sola has given them a deadline by midnight that night. If she does not get an amazing apology, they're done. 
And Stevie is desperate to fix this. And it is a story of how Stevie has to come up with this amazing apology and pull this amazing apology off by midnight on the day that Atlanta is basically at a standstill because it is snowing like snowpocalypse. And it is a story of um, Stevie and all their friends and everyone she has pulled in to help. And each one of the friends has their own kind of love story going on as well and like what's going on with them and, and where they're stuck and it all comes together at the end and it's just I love it <laughs> you were talking about uh, minority representation all of the characters are of color either uh, black or Latino or um, and it's just it's, I really loved it and, and it's focused entirely on on black love and joy and I, it's great Cannot recommend it enough. What about you, Catherine? What are your books? You said you had a enemies to lovers. I do. But I read two books as well, and they both ended up being really similar, but I was still a little surprised at how similar they were because they kind of both involve like a uh, like a learning how to kiss <laughs> <laughs> theme. Like in one book, she had a catastrophe with her first kiss and is made fun of. Like, how badly now, can your first kiss go? It what, did she like? <laughs> did it involve vomit? Did it involve biting? She, I think uh, she was younger and she was startled by him sticking his tongue in her mouth and just basically like sticking his tongue in her mouth and that was it. Um. Um. I don't know how much of this we want to keep. That sounds like a him problem, not a her and that, problem. And that she didn't like reciprocate. That's so it was a just him like problem. A, yeah. But then he made fun of her and then all of his buddies now still make fun of her by like sticking their tongue out at her. Because he was a bad kisser. Yes. yes. Well, I hope someone taught him better. No, I hope that was his only kiss. <laughs> They get together, don't they? No. Oh, oh okay. Well, I didn't know them. Enemies to Sorry. Lovers. That could, that could one, be that. That story is not the Enemies to Lovers oh, one. Oh, okay. My Enemies to Lovers one is actually uh, called Eight Nights of Flirting by Hannah Reynolds. Okay. And I'll talk about that one first. But with a title like that, you have to know that this one centers around the Hanukkah holiday. We have 16-year-old Shira Barbanel. And she wants Isaac to be her boyfriend. She thinks Hanukkah is going to be the perfect time to make this happen because 19-year-old Isaac is uh, basically an intern to her great uncle. And he's, he's the assistant to the uncle. He's going to be spending Hanukkah with her huge entire family at their Nantucket beach house. The only problem is Shira cannot flirt. She's too stiff and totally overthinks everything. This is totally a like in her head problem. So, like, she overthinks it, gets too anxious, and then is, like, <laughs> has no personality. I can't speak to you at exactly. all. <laughs> Not, no, I can't relate to that at all. <laughs> but so now enters Tyler Nelson, the boy next door slash nemesis slash former crush, who kind of humiliated her when she was a child. Not necessarily intentionally, but it happened never really went got on from that. Like, no apology was made or, like, so she is still holding a grudge. <laughs> I like this girl. I'm, I'm identifying with this girl. But as much as she is loath to admit, he's very charming, popular, and great at winning people over. 
So, long story short. She moves to the forest with the bears and then takes her vengeance. Nope. <laughs> they make an arrangement. <laughs> they fake date. No. Oh. He's going to teach her how to flirt. She's going to help him get an internship at her family's business. Nepotism strikes again. Yes. Yeah. But I think we can all predict where this story is going. <laughs> he falls in love with her. I don't really want to spoil anything. She falls anything. in love with him? He falls in love with a bear. So I'm going to leave that where it is. <laughs> but I liked this one also had a little historical mystery thrown in when Shira and Tyler uncover a hidden box under a floorboard that prompts some digging into family history and the whaling industry at Nantucket's uh, beginning. Actually, this sounds really good. I would. I want to read this one more than any of the other ones that... Hey. They, sorry. <laughs> I just... I've, I've heard that story 8,000 times. This one sounds interesting as whaling. But it also does a really great job educating the reader about Hanukkah with the significance and traditions of the holiday and the younger cousins in this giant family even write and have the family perform a play that combines the story of Judith with the revolt of the Maccabees. Oh, and fun. I actually learned a lot about the holiday, and I really enjoyed that. It also made me realize that even though Hanukkah is one of the most widely known Jewish holidays, it's not actually a high holiday, and it's not a biblical holiday either. No. Nope. So it's just kind of, to me, a little sad that that's got the one that everyone, yes, it's, it's because Christmas it's so close to Christmas. My next book is Talk Santa to Me by Linda Urban. Ooh. And really, I chose this book based on the title alone and the tagline, a teen girl gets the perfect second try at a first kiss. <laughs> Not with the mean boy. I'll just I, point I that mean, out. Just, oh. <laughs> okay. And I envisioned this as the Christmas rom-com, which it is, but the title is actually a reference to the main character, Francie, which is short for frankincense, and her grandfather, which, made, which made it a little new <laughs> to me, right? <laughs> But her grandfather had started a Santa school to train would-be Santas. I think I saw this Hallmark movie. (laughs) Her grandfather, who recently passed away, was really, in her mind, the epitome of what Santa should be. And when she was little, she always wanted him to talk Santa to her. So that's where it comes from. That's actually very cute. But the talk Santa to me makes me think of another phrase that... Well, I think it's meant to. Right? <laughs> but is it? Because, it's ew. a little weird with the yeah. <laughs> Okay, I have conflicted feelings about this. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> Does she fall in love with a Santa? No. Oh. But it was a cute story, um, but it had a lot going on. There were a lot of different plot lines going on. Like, I talked about that whole traumatic first kiss thing. But I'm going to read the publisher, publisher's description here because... While I was typing my notes up for this, it just kept getting longer and longer and longer because, like I said, there's all these storylines. You're like, how do I talk about this? How do I talk about this without giving things away? So I was like, let me just read this to you. A professional has done this already. I don't need to. Exactly. Francie was born in a stable, really. Granted, it was the deluxe model with the light-up star on the roof, one of the many Christmas items for sale at her family's Hollydale holiday shop. Their holiday gift empire also includes the Santa School, which was founded by Francie's beloved grandpa, who recently passed away. Francie's always loved working in the shop, but lately Aunt Carol has been changing everything with her ideas for two slick Hollywood-inspired Santas and horrible holiday-themed employee uniforms. Aunt Carol's vision will ruin all the charm and nostalgia Francie loves about her family's business, unless she does something about it. But this winter is about more than preserving the magic of Christmas. 
Francie is saving up for a car and angling to kiss the cute boy who works at the tree lot next door. Hopefully it will be good enough to wipe her fiasco of a first kiss from her memory. As the weather outside gets more and more frightful, can Francie pull off the holiday of her dreams? But yeah, this one to me sounds exactly like a Hallmark movie. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure I've seen the one where they have a Santa school. And it reads kind of like a Hallmark movie as well. I think they all kind of do. That's sort of the the formula for Christmas. But mine was very Christmassy. It did have a little diversity in it. Um, Francie's love interest, Hector, who's the uh, who works at the tree lot next door, he is Latino, and her best friend is Asian. But other than that, I mean, it's not a main character. Don't Does he wear plaid shirts and, and jeans and carry trees around? Well, he does on the cover. I mean, I'm assuming he does that in what at work too, because that's yeah. like I'm picturing this. I'm they seeing actually, the Hallmark movie. They actually have a uniform, and it's funny because now I can't remember what the what the shirt says. But his brother made shirts for them all to wear, and I'm gonna try to find that real quick. Okay, so the shirt yes says lumber wands, <laughs> okay. and it's actually a play on the Lumberjanes which is his, one of his brother's favorite comics. I love it. Oh, it ties it all together. Yes. So I thought it was really cute. That is very cute. But the cover itself, I mean, Patty described Hector perfectly. I didn't um, even see it. He is in a plaid shirt and jeans carrying a Christmas yep. tree. And yep. Francie is on the front. She's wearing one of her ridiculous outfits that the aunt is making her wear. Oh. Um, but it's actually really cute for the cover. And she's carrying a stack of presents. But it was really cute. <laughs> but tis the season. <laughs> tis, tis the season for these books. I think maybe that's why I liked Whiteout so much. Is it 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 was a romance and it had lots of romance in it because everybody, all of the characters have a romance story. So it's like lots of different romances entwined in this one big romance. But it didn't feel quite as hallmarky movie or as formulaic as a hallmark movie sometimes feels i guess even though you know you know every everybody's gonna have a gonna get together with their person and and stuff but it's super cute i just i think i liked it because it it didn't feel quite as um generic holiday story i do think that there's a reason why these um holiday Books and movies all involve tropes and love. Oh, yeah. And, like, here's the thing. Because it's all just just tradition and kind of, like, at Christmas time, you sort of want things that are, like, familiar and predictable. We don't necessarily want, like, things went crazy. You just want to <laughs> feel good. And, like, yes. part of feeling good means you kind of know where this is going. And, like, here's the thing. I maybe... Maybe I sound like I I don't like, I'm poo-pooing Hallmark movies or whatever, but oh no. I love me a Christmas (laughs) (laughs) rom-com. I will watch all of them. I love them. (laughs) I don't know if y'all saw. My favorite thing that NPR does has come out. It is the NPR Books We Love. Are you aware of this? It used to be called Book Concierge. And they do it. It has 405 different titles on it. And you can find it if you just Google NPR books we love. And it is, and I was looking at it today because I was like, oh, 
what books do they love? And it's got everything from like picture books all the way through adult books and it's fiction and nonfiction. And several of the books that we talked about on this podcast are on that list, including Sarah's favorite, One True Loves. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I'll have to check that out. It is really, I can spend hours poking around on it because it's got all the books and it's got like a little blurb from a, a reviewer and it's you can sort it in all sorts of different ways and like it's I love it and and all the past years are there too and it's awful and great at the same time because I already have a TBR list that is threatening to swallow me <laughs> and this just adds to it well speaking of adding to your list of things to read oh no it is that time now where we get to find out what we're going to read. And it's actually Sarah's turn. And I can't wait to hear what she has in store for us. Yes. What are we reading? Oh, you're going to love it, Patty. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, the theme for next episode is don't judge a book by its movie. And in this case, it's really don't judge a book by its TV show. I have chosen the book The Midnight Club by Christopher Pike, uh-huh. who is an author who's been around for quite a little while. I remember reading his books and my sister in particular reading his books when we were much, much younger in like high school, middle school age. And uh, he writes a lot of kind of horror in the horror genre. But The Midnight Club is about a group of teenagers who are all in a hospice care together. And um, part of what they do is get together each night at midnight and try to scare each other with stories. And as you may know, this is now a TV show on Netflix um, by Mike Flanagan, um, who created also The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, and Midnight Mass. Three shows that I have definitely not watched because I am a giant scaredy cat. Well, I hope you will get to enjoy reading this book at least a little bit and (laughs) perhaps watching an episode or two of the show. Why do you do this to me, Sarah? Is it because I make you read YA books? You... <laughs> that sounded like a you betcha. No. <laughs> Can I just go back and read all my romance books? Sure, as soon as you finish this one. Yeah, I can't control what you do in your spare time. <laughs> I have nightmares. This is your fault. I'm going to call you. Oh, please don't. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) This has been another episode of Spill Lit by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Sarah. I'm Patty. And I'm Catherine. And we want you to join us next time as we talk about The Midnight Club, both the novel by Christopher Pike and the TV show that is based on the book. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading.